Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our weekend review show. Always a crowd pleasing favorite. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and I apologize. This one getting started a little bit later than I had planned on today, uh, but it's a busy morning. Had some calls going on first thing today. We got uh, some very interesting stuff in the works for the Sports Ethos Pod Division. Massive announcement likely coming as soon as next week. We didn't want to give any of this away, but we're really, really excited about what the uh, future holds with the Pod Division. Um, Had to get that sorted out. Had some other stuff to take care of on the home front. Had some threads, of course, to do on Twitter not on threads, <laughs> get my nomenclature right, uh, we can review stuff. I'd like to get that out there on social so everybody can kind of see the teaser version and then they come over here, I hope, watch the show, get the uh, the full description, the full battery of analysis that goes with it. Please do take a moment to find me over on social, at Dan Baspris, if you're new to the proceedings. Uh, it's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Sports, E-T-H-O-S is the website. The news feed is Ethos Fantasy BK. And of course, come hang with us in our Sports Ethos Discord. Link for that is in the show description. You know basically how these Friday shows go. It's become uh, kind of a repeating event over the last couple of seasons. This is, I think, uh, the best way to kind of go through and try to hit on everything that's been going on in the NBA. There's no perfect way to do it, admittedly, and it's still not clear exactly how I want to fit my face and the names on the board. I change it around week to week because I do all of this stuff on StreamYard, and I'm not skilled enough to do all the uh, actual, like, real encoder work that this should actually take. Uh, But we're going to work our way through ads, drops, holds, watches, players. The injury replacement board is just astronomical right now we'll have a couple buys a couple sells some of them will harken back to our buy and sell shows from earlier in the week i am likely to eliminate the uh full weekend preview part of the show mostly because i find i'm just repeating the names that i already mentioned during this first much longer much more in-depth segment uh, and we, I mean, we pretty much cover every single player that we're going to be looking at. So you, you know what team they play on. And if you don't, you can Google it and then you'll know what we're watching for when that particular team plays. So fantasy basketball, we can review thread. We're going to cover the stories basically of the past seven days. It's really more, if you wanted to isolate it more like the last four or five days, cause things typically have changed from the weekend, uh, as we get into now this midweek and we'll start with the ads. Because, damn it, that's everyone's favorite place to start anyway. Biggest ad. I actually put these in a in not a specific order, but I did move one name to the top, and that name is Tari Eason, who might turn out to be a complete flop in the next game or two. It's unclear. But I went out and I put in pretty big bids on him anywhere that I could, meaning any place that had a, a fab situation. So the Yahoo... Uh, public prize leagues. I went out and I dropped a few clams on him. Um, And it might not pan out. I know we're only talking about two good ball games in a row, but they were two 
spectacular games. Good shooting, threes, missed his free throws. He went two for five at the foul line. That's frustrating. But 28 rebounds in those two games, 43 points, three steals, and a block. He is an outstanding rebounder, very good at getting steals. We saw some of this stuff last year where, again, he didn't play that many minutes, but he was actually at 1.8 defensive stats in 21 minutes a game last year. And so far this season, he was sort of dinking and doinking around the 17.5, 18-minute mark until these last two ball games where he exploded for 26 and then 27 minutes, and then we really finally got a chance to see his fantasy profile in action. Because we hadn't really seen it to this point. He had had one, maybe two games you could call fantasy serviceable, but he also hadn't cleared 22 minutes prior to these last two ball games. Can we necessarily extrapolate directly from what he did last year in 21 and a half minutes per game? No, because there's sort of a stat acquisition arc that players typically hit, which is like, okay, you know, if they're in a game for 10 minutes, they're going to go nutso for 10 minutes, but it's not going to be enough. And, you know, 20 minutes, they probably still have the adrenaline and energy to go full bore. Once guys start getting into the high 20s, low 30s, then they have to sort of throttle back every now and again, learn how to budget their time on a basketball court. But again, first of all, second-year player. So some of that, like, can't-budget-myself stuff that typically hits rookies a little harder, maybe that won't be quite as big of a deal. And secondarily, we saw last year, when there were games where Eason got 25, 26 minutes, he was inside the top 100. So we've seen him do it. And yes, the steals and blocks, they do tend to level off a little bit. The rebounds don't really. You know, if you're on a basketball court and you're a good rebounder, you're going to get rebounds. That's what he does. Seven rebounds a game this year in 19 and a half minutes. Last year he was at six rebounds in 21. Again, there's going to be sort of a a balancing of that. But if he gets to 25, 26, 27 minutes, you're looking at a guy that could very reasonably get to eight rebounds a ball game. That's a big number. Steals are going to be good. Would not be at all surprised to see that as a number that's well over one. Actually, weirdly, this season his blocks have been better than steals. That probably levels off. Shot 75% of the free throw line last year, so his 59% this season also feels like a number that probably gets better as the sample size gets bigger. I see no real downside to this. If it doesn't pan out, we can move on. But if it does, you're talking about a guy that, you know, if he starts to take Dylan Brooks's minutes at any point, eh, seems less likely than maybe taking Jalen Green's minutes or just being sort of like the primary bench dude on a team that, frankly, doesn't use their bench very much. There's a, there's a big avenue. There's a nice open road if he wants to try to get to 25 or more minutes a game. It's very doable. Nas Reed is the next name on the ads list. I think he was on the ads board last week, or if he wasn't on the ads board, he was on the injury replacement board. I had to upgrade him to what is effectively like a heater ads board. I don't have that subdivision here on my uh, remedial Microsoft Word presentation. He's a heater ad. He's on a serious heater right now. Anthony Edwards came back. So did Jaden McDaniels. Didn't matter. Nas just kept draining buckets. He's just going buckets right now. There were buckets for him to get when Anthony Edwards was out. Edwards came back. He just went and he took somebody else's buckets instead. So this one's a simple analysis. We love Nas Reed's fantasy game when he's confident and he's getting minutes. And when he's confident, he gets minutes. When he gets minutes, he's more confident. It does sort of 
create this positive and then eventually a negative feedback loop where if he gets less confident, the minutes go down and then so on and so forth until you hit this sort of, again, this up and down, this wave of value for Nas, who probably you could just start every game the rest of the year and you probably get a guy that's in that like 120 some odd range when everything comes settling in, but he's been so good lately, he's pushed himself back up to the edge of the top 100. It'll go through a down spell where he falls back to 130, and he'll come back up to 95 or 100, and so on and so forth. And again, that's a guy that you can play nightly, but it also feels like sort of the modern way that we play fantasy NBA, that feels more like a guy that you play when he's hot and you don't when he's not. Uh, I'm going to go out of order from what folks are reading on their screen, but those listening won't care. Jonathan Kaminga is the next name on the board. He's also a, uh, I would call him kind of a priority ad. Again, we don't have the, the you know, rest of season mapped out for Kaminga, and he has free throw issues, and he doesn't get as many steals and blocks as we'd want. But it seems like the Warriors are finally saying, we got to try something, because our old guys are getting just smoked, particularly Andrew Wiggins, mostly Clay Thompson, too, until he had his big, sort of big ball game yesterday. And now Draymond Green is suspended indefinitely. Kaminga was already getting more minutes even before the Draymond suspension. Now he's going to have those. They almost have no choice, even if he has a, a you know a poorer decision-making stretch, where in the past he probably would have gotten yanked. They don't really have much of a choice. My hope with Kaminga is that we will get better defensive stats than we've gotten in sort of the smaller sample size that this season has brought. Because, you know, he's played pretty good minutes his last, call it three ball games in a row. He had a good second half, the one before that. But we're, we're talking about like maybe three and change ball games. He had foul trouble in a few of them. That's seemingly going to be a small issue for him. Uh, he's not a big steals and blocks guy. But last year, he was at 1.1 combined in 21 minutes, which, again, not that good. But the hope is that if his minutes now trend up into the 28 range, which he's been at two of the last three ball games, could that then increase his steals and blocks by 20, 30, some odd percent? So could 1.1 from last year, he's at 0.9 this season, by the way, in basically the same number of minutes, we could probably just rounded up to one or rounded down to one, if you're talking about last year, could one become, you know, 1.2 or 1.3 consistently com combined? Could it be, you know, 0.8 steals and 0.5 blocks? Could it be 0.9 steals and 0.4 blocks? 0.9 steals, 0.5 blocks, or 0.6? Like, is there a way for him to get that combined number from the one to more like the 1.3 to 1.5 range? That would be colossal for his fantasy value because unfortunately he he is a guy that gets to the foul line and he is a guy that sucks there. That's the big downside with Kaminga. I still think he's a priority add, but if you're trying to win free throw percent, he's going to hurt you. And that's going to make it hard for him to be inside the top 100 when you have that sort of one medium-sized negative stat. You need to have a few medium-sized positives to counterweight it. And I, I don't know that I see the actual category where he can be that medium-sized positive. Maybe rebounds, but again, not do much defensively. He's going to score a little, but they're not going to be relying on him to score. They still have Steph, and hopefully Clay's coming back around, and CP3 will be orchestrating some stuff, and blah, blah, blah. 
you know, different guys will be rotating in. 15, 16 points, that would be pretty good for him, but that's still not a big positive. That's a small positive. So I like Kaminga. I think he's an ad to see how this thing plays out, but I also want to sort of temper our expectations because from a nine-cat perspective, his fantasy game is not that great. It feels like it should be because you watch him play and you're like, uh, isn't this guy going to get steals and blocks? Look at him flying around. No, not really. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. A couple of stashes that I want to go over here in the ads department. One of them is an active stash. That's Scoot Henderson. We talked about him for the first two months of the season. We're almost two months in now as someone that you knew was going to be bad for a while. He's showing signs of starting to figure out the NBA game. Now, obviously, one good ball game yesterday. He's had like one and a half, one and three quarters-ish pretty good ball games. It's still going to be very up and down for Scoot. This is not like the beginning of a new era. He's going to have some games where he's absolutely terrible, and they'll probably be sooner than later. So don't pick him up and be like, I'm ready to do Scoot the rest of the year. Understand, you're picking him up on Roto. If he was on the wire, you're probably sitting on him like an injured player. But now that we're seeing some signs of him beginning to understand tempo, the sort of speed, the activity level of an NBA game, then you can see kind of the next steps to follow. It's getting that consistently. It's being able to do that against teams that are not dog-do on the defensive side. There's all these mini steps along the way. He's hit the first. And to me, that feels like someone with his, frankly, kind of infinite potential, like we all... I don't think anybody's moving off of their scoots could be a really damn good basketball player valuation from preseason. He's just getting knocked around by the NBA for the first, you know, almost two months of the year, like all rookies that have responsibility do. Now it feels like we're close enough to say, all right, you know, head to head side, I'm going to take the good with the bad because the good is going to come. I'm going to keep my team afloat, even if he has some really bad ball games because we're, you know, two months out from our fantasy playoffs. And I think he's going to be really good by then, so let's do it. Roto, pick him up, treat him like an injured guy. You sit on him for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four, whatever. Hopefully he starts to get close enough to where you're not just... That's not at, On the Roto side, you're sort of eating zeros at that point, but you guys catch my meaning. And then the other stash is an injured stash, and that's Marcus Smart, who, frankly, I probably should have dropped in... Uh, I only have him on one team, which feels like a bullet dodged there but he ended up being out I only said three to five weeks I think originally and I thought ah, maybe we'll 
maybe we'll sneak away with three. Nah. It's already been four and a little bit. Um, I think he's about to step up to five on five. So he's close. Maybe that means back next week, which would basically be the five-week mark. <sighs> Frustrating. If you've been sitting on him this whole time, you just, you know, you deal with it because now you're close enough to to ride it out. He did get dropped in a lot of spots. Not everywhere, a lot. He's still 80% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. But, I, I mean, you might as well go check your wire to see if he's floating around because then you go grab. And a decent follow-up question is, what does Marcus Smart's role look like with John ja Morant healthy? I'm not sure it's worse because, you know, Marcus was taking 11 shots a ball game earlier this year, but when he takes a lot of shots, it actually does hurt his, I mean, he's a big field goal percent negative guy. His turnovers were at 3.4, which is just a number you cannot accept when his assists were only at five. I don't think that his assists changed that much when he's playing alongside Ja and Desmond Bain. I think the steals are going to be really high. I think the assists are going to be fine, probably in this, you know, four and a half to five range. The turnovers should come way down. Yeah, he probably doesn't take as many shots, but also the three-point percentage probably ticks back up again. He was under 30% for the first time since 2016 this year. And there's a very real path for him to get to that sort of 90 to 100 range. And that's an all-systems-go kind of dude. So I think you scoop him up. If he was dropped, again, not in all that many spots, and roll from there. Here's some hold players. Not that many on the holds board. Just four names. First one is Alex Caruso, who I put on the holds board because it's. I think it could be pretty reasonably argued that Alex Caruso is moving up into the most annoying player to roster on the day-to-day. Because he's hurt every damn ballgame. He's hurt every damn ballgame. Played like, what, four and a half minutes? Hit a couple of three-pointers in the last one and then just left? Such is the Caruso cross to bear right now. Um, I'm going to hold on. I still have this fleeting hope that at some point he's going to get more upright. It may never happen, but I'm willing to take the shot a little bit longer. Malcolm Brogdon is a hold. Uh, He didn't play that many minutes in his last one. Most of the time, I think Portland will let him take the reins, but I, I think they felt like Scoot was playing a good ball game, so they wanted to give him that opportunity. And they're a team that's not super worried about wins. But you're holding Brogdon just because he's going to be a steadying influence there. I'm holding Kelly Oubre Jr. while we wait to see what his role actually looks like when he's at full ramp up. We haven't even really seen that yet. Um, They haven't needed him because the Sixers have generally been playing teams that can't guard anyone. And so Joel Embiid is just putting up 40 burgers in the first half and the game's over by then. I'd like to see a competitive ball game and see what Kelly Oubre gets to do. And then Herb Jones, and someone on Twitter was kind enough to say, you got to tell people to hold Herb Jones? Yeah, yeah, because he's been really bad for the last two ball games, And people freak out when low-scoring types have bad games because they're like, oh, God, I can't take zeros. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can because the overall body of work has been good enough. I know, we moved through the holds pretty quickly. Let's go to the next one. These are the I'm scared or nervous or drop players. There are four, and they each probably require some sort of explanation. First name on the uh, board is Andrew Wiggins, who finally was demoted to the bench by the Golden State Warriors. He's been just absolutely terrible all season long. Warriors have played, what, 22, 23, 24 ball games, something like that, and he's been good in two of them. 
you cannot be good 10% of the time and expect to keep your job full-time. So Wiggins to the bench, uh, Brandon Pajemski into the starting lineup, or if you wanted to say Kaminga into the starting lineup, whatever, they both came in. Wiggins went out, Draymond got suspended. Doesn't matter who you're replacing with who in your mind. I was holding Wiggins in some spots. I dropped him. I actually didn't. Okay, I lied. I, I bent the truth. I did not draft him anywhere. I picked him up in one league uh, where he got dropped, and I have now subsequently dropped him in that league. So I say I can say I dropped him everywhere, but I only had him in one place, and it was only because he was on the waiver wire. The uh, He's off the bench now, so the minutes are no longer secure, and he was bad even with the minutes. He's not a rosterable player right now. Killian Hayes I have as a probable drop. He's not one that you absolutely must drop immediately, but he's playing big minutes and he's still outside the top 160. And I get it. Guys are all real clustered together out there, but nine points and six assists is not enough. And that's with him shooting the ball relatively well. So it could actually be worse. I don't see that other than, you know, steals spiking. I don't see that many ways for Killian Hayes to raise his fantasy profile unless, you know, the whole team gets hurt all at the same time. So probably a drop. I know it's good to have a guard, kind of even a point guard, playing starters minutes at the NBA level. That's something that you want to at least give a shot. But we've kind of given him a shot, and we've given him a shot for a few years, and he just, he just doesn't have, have fantasy game. It's okay. He just doesn't have fantasy game. Here's one that I'm probably going to get pulled apart for. I think Jordan Poole is droppable. And you guys know this is a change of pace for me. I didn't draft him in any nine-category leagues. I want to preface this discussion with he was a guy that I specifically said I was way too afraid to draft. You guys remember, you probably don't, way back in August. That's four months ago, man. Memories don't go back that far. What the hell? I mean, what do you think this is? Like the 1970s? We got we got smartphones. I don't remember crap that happened four months ago. Uh, you guys remember back in August, the very first draft board came out uh, at Yahoo. And Jordan Poole was pre-ranked in the 60s. And I thought, oh, that's intriguing. I think I may have even said those words. That's interesting. You know, if you're going in the 60s, now you're talking about a sixth rounder that has... Big-time upside and big-time downside. But you guys know the Dan Bespers way. We don't take what I consider to be like eyes-closed home run hacks until you get past the third or fourth round. We just don't do it. And I I almost feel like I need to go on a a tangent here. Let's see if I remember to come back to that, that tangential thought. So when Jordan Poole got pushed up into the early 40s, by mid-October, when we were doing our drafts, there was no freaking chance I was touching him there. That's a fourth-rounder that could, yeah, I mean, maybe if everything broke perfectly, he could have probably been a third-rounder, nine-cat, meaning you look at what he's doing right now, 14.5 shots per game, make that 20 instead of 14.5 shots, give him five and change assists instead of three and a half, and make the field goal percent like 44 instead of 40. So now you're talking about a guy... That would have been scoring more like, you know, 25, 26 points per game, hitting three three-pointers with five assists, big-time free-throw number. There's your upside. 
But we saw the downside with Golden State last season. He was playing basically full minutes off the bench on a team that was getting him really good looks, and he still wasn't inside the top 100 in 9-cat. We always knew there was a big downside to him. So when he was going in the 40s, that's why I stopped even looking at him. There was no chance. 60s, I would have taken a shot. 40s, no way. Not when the other guys that were on the board were like guaranteed 60 or better floor type of dudes. And those are the guys that were going around where he was. Yeah, they probably didn't have the, oh my God, if this hits, they could be number 25 kind of appeal that perhaps he did. For some of those guys, it was like, oh, if this hits, they'll be like seven slots ahead of where I drafted them. But that's okay. Because remember, and this is the tangential thought I wanted to come back to, because someone, I uh, I put a thread out on Twitter, or a post out on Twitter yesterday. I wanted people to remind me of some of my biggest misses over the years. I'm sure I've had some big ones. And again, like, I'm not going to write all of this stuff down. But someone came back and was just like, here's all the players you were too low on this season. I was like, that's not really what I asked for. But it jogged my memory, because they were like, you were too low on Scotty Barnes. Yeah, they're right about that, by the way. You were too low on LeBron James. So far, yes, he's having an efficiency season for the ages, even though his usage is actually much lower than in seasons past. And typically, usage is value. See how the whole season goes. So far, LeBron has been insane. I mean, expecting him to make a massive efficiency jump in his age 39 season. Okay, he's obviously a cyborg, but whatever. And they were like, Dan, you're making me miss out on all of the league winners this year. I'm like, wait just a second. Okay. I'll take the criticism on being too low on Scotty Barnes. I'll take the criticism on being, for now at least, too low on LeBron James. But what I'm not going to take the criticism for is missing out on league winners. That's baloney. Because where was LeBron going? LeBron was going at 25 to 30. And he's a mid-second rounder, meaning he's jumped a half a round to a round. That's not a league winner. And you know who I was taking around that same spot? Kawhi Leonard, who's actually ranked ahead of LeBron so far this year and has played in more, I know, knock on every piece of wood you can find, and has actually played in more games by one. LeBron's been pretty healthy as well. I think he missed what? Missed their last ball game. Did he miss one earlier or like half of a game earlier in the year? They've both been oddly healthy. So, like, take it easy there. Yeah, the Dan Bespreth method sometimes misses out on the big swing type of guys. That's true. Because if I'm afraid they have significant downside, I'm not going to tell you to take them in the first three or four rounds. I think that's a way that you could blow up your team on draft night. You can't win your draft. I mean, you can't win your league on draft night if you're in a competitive league. You just can't. Unless you're perfect. And that generally means being guys that hit or don't fail in the early part of the draft and then hits in the free swing in middle and late part of the draft. That's how that's like the only way you win your league on draft night. You don't win your league by taking a shot in the third round. You can get a small boost because you taking a third rounder that, you know, like LeBron, let's say you took him at like 28 and he's number 16. That's good, but he's not winning your league. But what if it went the other way? Like a Jordan Poole. What if you took him at 39 and now he's a drop where you could have taken, take an example of somebody who's like a plotting type that's been totally fine but not great, like a Freddie Van Vliet. 
You took him in, call it the early fourth, and he's been an early fifth round player instead, or something like that. You know, you took him at, you took him at 37, and he's number 48. That doesn't blow up your team. And that's, again, now sometimes the Dan Vespers method is going to find you some of these gems, like Kawhi so far this year, like a Brooke Lopez a little bit later. Not a good example because he's not in those first few rounds. We are trying not to lose our league in the first two to three rounds. It's why I only took LaMelo Ball in one spot. He didn't make sense as the number 11 pick if you were trying to win field goal percent. It's why I didn't take Jordan Poole in the third or fourth round. There was way too much risk there. If you drafted Jordan Poole with your third or fourth round pick, your team could still be in pretty good shape. Like if you followed him up with Tyrese Maxey or Scotty Barnes or something like that, that's a way that you could sort of like trade effectively. You covered for a massive error. But if you didn't get one of those big leapers right behind him, If you drafted Jordan Poole relatively early, your team is probably in kind of rough shape. Or middling. Maybe say middling. I'm guessing those of you that that drafted Jordan Poole that are still near the top of the board probably took like maybe Chet right behind him or Maxi right behind him or Barnes pretty close behind. Because now you turned a fifth or sixth round guy into a first. That's the way you make up for a big hole. Now, if you took those guys and you didn't take that big swing beforehand, I mean... That's how you end up with a powerhouse fantasy team. But all that to say, I'm, I'm going in, we're, we're looping in, in vast erratic circles on today's show. All of that to say, if you want a show where I'm going to tell you to take massive hacks in the third and fourth round, it's the wrong show. It's just not the way that I win fantasy, t- fantasy leagues. I win fantasy leagues, and I hope that I can teach you guys how to win fantasy leagues by being relatively cautious early, unless there is an absurd, absurd value on the board, which typically happens when older, more boring guys fall a little bit farther than they should. And that's happening in a bunch of spots. James Harden fell way farther than he should because there was confusion over whether he'd get traded. But come on, there was no way Philly was going to let that hang over their season. If Harden was still there just gumming up the works, making everything a circus. That's how you lose Embiid, too. They had to get him out quick. They did. They got him out quick. Kawhi, another example of someone that was going near 30 because everybody's like, oh, he's not going to play in 55 games. Doesn't matter. His His per game performance is ridiculous. It doesn't always result in a guy blowing past their number. Those are a couple of examples of where it did. But a lot of guys in this method end up pretty close to where they're drafted. And that's okay in the first 30 to 40 picks. That's okay. Take your hacks from 48 on, basically. Or maybe a little before that. All right, we went way off the rails there on Jordan Poole. Zach Collins is the next name on the I'm scared drop or, or nervous board. Um, I don't know that I would drop him just yet. Spurs have been sort of goofing around with their starting lineup, and Collins is not in it right now, and Wemby's going completely insane at center, which makes me think they might just see how it goes for a little bit. I, you know, Maybe they run into a Nikola Jokic, and they'll 
throw Zach Collins at him instead. Um, but right now, uh, Spurs are loving Wemby at the five. And if that continues for, I uh, honestly, even one or two more games, I think we move on from Collins at that point. Because even when he was starting at center, he was sitting just outside the top 100. So it wasn't like he was exploding draft or exploding fantasy boards. He was just decent. And I liked decent. But if anything went away, which it has, then he falls outside. Hey, we passed the 30-minute mark. Opportunity to remind all of you guys to check out our buddies at manscaped.com. You know what I should do on these shows? I have the ability to, and I always forget to do it. I should probably do a better job of putting them up on the board. Let's see if I can do that quickly here. We're going to share a screen. We're sharing Manscaped on our screen. And then we'll make so you can see. There is Manscaped. Look at that. They got a holiday sale that's 10% off the whole website. But I say to that because you know that you have Ethos 20 on your side. Promo code Ethos20 gets you 20% and free shipping off the site. So don't. Don't go there and let them get you with the 10%. Make sure you use your 20. Nice thing is, if those that are watching, you can see their products laid out before you. There's the travel bag over there on the left. There's the uh, handyman just to the right of the graphic in the middle. I love that thing. That I use that, again, I use that on my cheeks, like before I go on these podcasts every day, just to make sure there's no out-of-bounds markers. They've got uh, various uh, shaving oils and creams. They've got shampoo They've got where's the where's the lawnmower 5.0? I think that that's not the one right next to the the logo on the left. It's two over with you know double LED settings. Just incredible products at Manscaped, and they've been one of our partners for now three seasons, which is just amazing. And that probably means that you guys are buying stuff from them. Keep doing it. They keep coming out with cool new stuff or new models of old stuff. They don't even bother to have the shears up on the screen. That's the luxury nail kit, which uh, you know I'll throw that up on the the screen here for you guys to see papow and you can see it's magnetized i've stuck the uh nail clipper bam right to the outside of the pouch like that look at that look at that that's sweet there's a little flip right there that's magnetized this flip is magnetized if i want i could just pop it back in there i should probably look at what i'm doing boom close it up back on the counter good to go 20 percent off free shipping promo code is ethos20 over at manscaped.com all right, now I have to figure out how to get the uh, the all the stuff we were talking about back up on the screen. While I do that, make sure to go check out the uh, Discord link in the show description. And again, I know new people are finding this, so please like the show, especially if you're new, but also everybody, please do that. Rate, if you're listening on a pod, subscribe, no matter where you're taking in this stuff. That's the big one. Subscribe now, immediately, today. And find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. The watch list is next. By the way, I can see that there are 45 posts in the chat room. That's awesome. I hope you guys are helping each other out. Because you guys know I'm probably not going to get around to that. Um, watch list. So uh, when I put this list out on Twitter like two hours ago, Karis Levert was on the watch list. And since that happened... We got news, unfortunately. Oh, my God, the Cavs, the sky is falling in Cleveland. Yikes. Four minutes ago, more news out of Cleveland. Oh, no, people. Maybe that's what everybody was just posting in the chat room. 
Oh, no. Absolutely terrible. All right, well, we got to do Cleveland now because the news is just bad. <sighs> Poor Cavaliers fans. Darius Garland is expected to miss several weeks with a fractured jaw. That was the news from like a half an hour ago when I was able to then update the board for this show to say that Darius Garland is now upgraded from a watch list guy to an injury replacement player. And then four minutes ago, news broke that Evan Mobley will be undergoing knee surgery and is likely to miss six to eight weeks. Yikes. So uh, who does this help, by the way? Uh, well, for one, Karis LeVert, obviously on the Darius Garland news. Uh, Max Struess, this helps him a lot. He got more usage the last time Garland was out, and Mobley's been out for a little bit. Dean Wade's been playing, but he hasn't been doing anything. Basically, this means the Cavs are going to have to change everything that they do when they operate. And I also worry that this might be a thing that says, yeesh, maybe this just isn't our year. Maybe we should go try to get a whole bunch of stuff for Donovan Mitchell. But perhaps I'm getting out in front of my skis. I don't think I'm going to be the only one to get out in front of his skis today on that, though. If this, if this news, if the Cavs over the next, call it three weeks, when we assume Garland is out for two to three weeks, if they lose a bunch of ball games and then Garland comes back and they keep losing games without Mobley, that might be the time to go get something for their prized asset in Donovan Mitchell. But we'll see. I don't think you have to make any moves yet with that in mind. The nice thing is Karis LeVert is the move regardless. So if Mitchell gets traded, then he stays in the money. So go get Karis LeVert wherever you can. This could extend beyond the, the Darius Garland injury. And then as far as Mobley goes, it probably helps Jared Allen. I know he hasn't been all that great lately, but like they're going to have to play him as many minutes at center as his body can handle. Hopefully he doesn't break down in the process. But just absolutely brutal. Brutal news for the Cavaliers, who lost two of their three best players, and uh, their season is in real trouble right now. Yikes. That sucks. That sucks. Sorry, sorry, Cleveland fans. Uh, Io DeSunmo is on the watch list. He has a good ball game, or had a good ball game in his last time out. I don't think that's something that's going to stick. Kelly Olynyk almost put him on the ads board. I just have no idea what the Jazz are doing with their starting five every ball game. So I just don't really feel comfortable telling you all to add on Olenek if we could blink twice, blink, blink, and then he's just not in the starting five anymore. If he's in the starting five, I think we can start Olenek. I know he's been sort of like doing a Ben Simmons impersonation since he's moved into the starting five. I just realized I have a misspelling in uh, Kulabli. I'm going to fix that while we're on air because it's actually really upsetting to me, and it means I probably also have that misspelling on Twitter. Man, that's that's really that's crummy. You I, you hate you hate to see it. Uh, Kulabali is on my watch list. I I just I really don't think that he's all the way there in redraft. I think that he maybe gets there when guys start get shutting down. Uh, Jordan Poole is questionable for the Wizards' next ball game. Honestly, it's with an injury, but he should be questionable for sucking. Jordan Poole's been so bad, and watching him play in that last ball game was like a reason to turn off basketball. And it wasn't just that he, like, didn't look good at basketball. He just, like, he wasn't paying attention to anything. He was floating. He was treating it like a practice drill, and teams were just ramming it down his throat. Anyway, so you might get a little run of Koulibaly here if Jordan Poole is hurt or if they just don't want him to play. Um, 
but he needs somebody out in front of him to get enough shots. Malachi Branham's on the watch list. I don't think he's going to do enough. Uh, also, his percentages stink, but keep an eye on it. Spurs are trying a bunch of crap. And then Josh Hart, because I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what he's going to do on a night-to-night basis. He's been barely good enough to start for about the last month. So if you wanted to, you probably could. But the whole Josh Hart thing continues to confuse me, and so I'm just leaving him on the watch list for now. Oh, my goodness. Here is the injury replacement board. It's a Dolly Womper. Here we go. I'm just going to read them off, um, and I will... Okay, so let's do it this way. I'm going to say the name of the player and who's out, and then I'm going to let you know if they're a head-to-head, roto, or all-formats player. Okay? That'll move us through this thing at a pretty good clip. Isaiah Hardenstein, filling in for Mitchell Robinson, all formats. Duncan Robinson, filling in for Tyler Hero, all formats. Kyle Lowry, filling in also for Tyler Hero, all formats. Jaime Jaquez Jr., kind of also filling in for Tyler Hero, but also probably a little bit Haywood Highsmith. Um, He was all formats, and then he was sort of not, like, in between, and then he went back. I'd say head-to-head is the really safe play there teetering coin flip on all formats for Haquez. Caleb Barton filling in for uh, Highsmith and Adebayo. He's an all formats guy right now. Kobe White's an obvious one. Zach Levine, since Zach Levine went down, Kobe White went from top 180 to top 50. That's a big, that's an Al Horford size jump. All formats. Patrick Williams, Levine, and Caruso out. Uh, I'm going to go head to head only on him right now. Brandon Miller with LaMelo out, all formats. Sadiq Bey with Jalen Johnson out, all formats. Nick Richards with Mark Williams out, all formats. Dante Exum with Kyrie and Josh Green out. I probably lean head-to-head only on that one. Tim Hardaway Jr., same guys out for the Mavericks. I think you can go all formats there. Certainly better head-to-head than Roto. I just think he probably hits enough three-pointers on the Roto side to cover up the ugly. So all formats. Colin Sexton with Jordan Clarkson and Keontae George out. Eh, we'll go all formats for him. Brandon Pajemski with Draymond out and Wiggins benched. I'm going to go head-to-head only on Brandon, although I'm eh, teetering on all formats. Head-to-head, yes. Roto coin flip. Norman Powell with Paul George out, although I don't think they expect PG to miss much time, but Powell is, I'd go head-to-head only on that one. Asar Thompson with Jalen Duran and Marvin Bagley out. He is an all-formats guy while those two are down. That's a lot of them, wasn't it? That was a lot. Here's some buys and sells. Some of these are repeat names, and we're not going to go into huge detail on it because I talk about these guys, you know, five, six minutes at a time on the buy low and sell high shows that we're doing every week. Uh, But some buy low names, DeMar DeRozan, because again, like at some point here, the free throw percent is going to get back where it needs. Field goal percent is going to get back in the right direction. His value right now is only where it is because his percentages are not where they've been throughout his career. So you kind of have to just assume that that's going to fix itself. Keegan Murray is a buy low, also percentages, but also just sort of like settling into health. Cam Johnson, still, I think, just folks expect him to, I I mean, he's a little bit boring, I get it, but like, he's hovering in the 80s and 90s for the year, even though he's been more like a 50 to 80 type of guy the last, you know, three weeks to four weeks. So it's, again, your small margins on that one. Okongwu, Onyeka Okongwu, he's starting to play alongside Clint Capella. That's colossal. 
go get him. Damian Lillard, who I still think that his field goal percent in particular is going to tick back up. Uh, I also think at some point here you're going to see Giannis miss a game or two or just sort of throttle back for a game or two, uh, and Dame will, will come on a tad. Bucks are still kind of figuring out how the pieces fit as Chris Middleton plays a little bit more. Sell highs. I've had him on every single sell high board since the first week of the year, and that is Kyle Kuzma, and you're running out of time because he's now down to number 86. Remember, he was in the 50s. He was in the 40s, actually, after the first week, and then he was in the 50s for a little bit. It's just that the percentages are headed toward where we always knew they'd be. He's good at points, threes, assists from the power forward spot. Rebounds are fine, I guess, but he's a negative in a lot of stuff, and that's hard to overcome. And he's going to become a larger negative in those things, field goal, free throw in particular, as the season goes. Get out before it happens. You can still get a lot for him because he's scoring a ton. CJ McCollum, that's a pretty obvious one. I mean, he's he's having good ball games, uh, but 2.3 combined defensive stats is uh, very high. Free throw percent is high. Maybe it's coming back. Also, the 1.3 turnovers is exceptionally low. He's just been playing damn near perfect basketball when he's been on the court, but we're also still only 12 games into his season, so things are about to pivot a little bit. We probably missed our window on the Shaden Sharp sell. I've had him on the last two sell boards, uh, but now guys are coming back for Portland, and he had a bad ball game yesterday, so we probably missed that window, but, you know, maybe somebody's still thinking he's going to overcome the efficiency stuff, which he was able to when everybody was hurt and he was playing 42 minutes and taking 20 shots a game. That's just not going to happen as guys come back. And finally, Terry Rozier, and we talked about him at great length on our Sell High show. He's uh, number 23 on the season right now, and a lot of that's because LaMelo Ball's out. He's at 7.6 assists, and he's shooting 48% from the field. These are just things that aren't going to stick. Usage is going to, I don't want to say drop off a cliff, but it is going to take a pretty significant hit when LaMelo Ball comes back. Rozier has had plenty of seasons in Charlotte where he's been in that 40-50 range. That's not out of the question. And right now, I think you could probably get someone back for him in that range. I would probably do it because there is still the fear that it gets worse than that for Rozier. Um, the other you know, dice you roll here is hope that he has one or two more gigantic ball games and you might be able to sell for a tiny bit more. But if we get any news about LaMelo Ball coming back and you're a competitive league, someone's going to see that and go, yeah, sorry, dude, you know, I'm not going to buy Terry Rozier if I'm not getting all of this extra stuff out of him. So see you later kind of thing. And that is your week in review. And as I mentioned I don't think that there's a massive reason for us to look at what's upcoming, if only because, like, for example, um, if, if we were going to do the, the weekend preview, just as, as a point of reference, you know, throw that on the board here, um, like Detroit Philly. We already talked about Kelly Oubre. We already talked about Osar Thompson. We talked about Killian Hayes. What else, like... What else could I possibly tell you I'm watching in these ballgames? We've talked about all the relevant players. Indy, we know. We're not, we're not going to take the power forward plunge. PFPs, baseball, that's uh, pitchers fielding their position. In, uh, for Indiana, it's a power forward plunge. 
Washington, we already talked about. Like, we've covered all of these angles, and then I'm just repeating myself. So instead, what I'd like to do here at the tail end of the show, uh, while I once again welcome the fact that we did now crest over the 100 live viewers, that's still very cool. It's really, it, it's incredibly flattering to me that we've only really been putting out actual video content on YouTube for one year, and we've already gotten to this point. And obviously, I, I owe some of that to the fact that we built up a really big following elsewhere, you know, traditional pod, Twitter, etc. Um, and so a lot of you have been pretty willing to just kind of come over and hang out with us here on the YouTube side. Um, but it's awesome. I'm like, I'm blown away. I don't know that this happened at all last year, other than the trade deadline show, which, I mean, that one's always a ridiculous blast. One time we got up near a thousand, and that was like, I know big, big YouTube pages, they do this stuff with their eyes closed, but this is still cool for me, especially considering that my backdrop is a 2020 sticker covered draft board and a bedroom behind that. Someday I'll get a professional backdrop, but it won't be while we're paying rent in Los Angeles. Uh, what else we got going on? I mostly just want to thank everybody for hanging out. Um, amazing work by all of you guys for helping each other in the chat room. That's really cool to see while I'm talking. I can just see the, this chat room flying along. Um, thank you to everybody that's been liking and rating and subscribing on the show. Thank you to those that have gone and hunted me down on social at Dan Bespris. Thank you to those that have come to hang out with us in Discord. Um, we did get a question yesterday how to get uh, access to the pros over on Discord. Basically, you get a premium membership. You get a fantasy pass and you tell someone, you tell a mod in Discord and they'll turn on some secret rooms for you. But also, I want to thank everybody that put comments on yesterday's podcast. I've been trying to make this point lately and I keep forgetting to do it. I get email alerts when people post comments, not chat room, comments on the YouTube shows, meaning after the show is done live, when I sign off today, It'll get logged into the books. YouTube will finish, you know, doing whatever processing it needs to do. And then you can just leave a comment. So if you have a question in the chat room that maybe didn't get answered by other chatters or you want Dan to take a look at it, me, I'm speaking in the third person now. I don't do it fast. I'm not going to see the comment and then it just jump in there because I've got a thousand other things going on. But at some point in the following 24 hours, I do typically get to those. Ask anybody in the chat rooms or in the comment section. I get to them. So as you're watching this over the weekend, please take a moment to subscribe. And then if you have a question, use the comments box. I promise you, I will see it eventually. And with that, have an amazing weekend, everybody. We'll be back probably on Monday. Kids are on winter break as of like 15 minutes from now. So God help us all. We'll make it. Schedule is going to be weird because the kids are going to be home later into the day. We won't be able to start shows as early as we have been. But we'll get you guys all the stuff we've been doing to the best of our ability. Mwah! Love you all. See you in a few days. 